This is Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada, the national occupational health and safety magazine published by Annex Business Media. You've tuned in to hear conversations with Canadian safety professionals on the latest in OHS trends and research. Hello and welcome to Safe Zone, OHS Canada's national podcast for health and safety professionals. I'm your host, Marcel Vanderweer, editor of OHS Canada. I'm excited to be joined by Aaron Oliver and Steve Thrasher to kick off 2020. Aaron is Vice President of Employee Health and Safety at Modern Niagara, a national contracting company specializing in mechanical and electrical systems. Steve is National Director of Health, Safety and Environment at Plan Group, a Canadian electrical and mechanical and ICAT service provider. Thank you both for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. So today we will be discussing what some are calling the dawn of a new era in workplace health and safety, a time of multi-stakeholder engagement where organizations partner to share data in an effort to better forecast risk and ultimately protect workers. In preparing for today's podcast, we discussed how this type of risk forecasting can be realized through the use of open data and predictive analytics. I know this is something the two of you have experienced firsthand, and I'm looking to uh, forward to diving in on this subject. Aaron, perhaps we can begin with you. Um, can you describe what traditional OHS data sharing has looked like up to this point? Traditionally, uh, occupational and safety data has been held by the owner, the company or the union. Uh, they keep it very close because of the privacy and uh, it has been very linear. And what I mean by that is uh, it is shared down from a company maybe to an employee or down to a sub to a degree, but it's not shared broadly across um, professional jurisdictions by with allied companies and partners or peer representatives. So up until this point, we've seen uh, very pocketized data sets that are very hard to capture a bigger sense of what's going on in the industry and in the province and in the country. Okay, Stephen, I'd, I'd also like to hear your perspective. Um, why do you think uh, organizations have been so protective of this type of data in the past? Uh, I think uh, along the lines, uh, a lot of types of programs and things that we work on as a company, uh, we like to sort of keep in-house, um, keep it as a competitive advantage, if you will. And uh, until recently, especially well, with Modern and Plan, uh, we realized that we should break down those barriers, uh, not keep safety as a competitive advantage, share our information, see what common issues we're facing, the hazards we're facing, um, what type of behaviors we're looking at, what type of situations we're looking at, and really pool those together uh, so then we can actually really learn from a bigger picture and not just help ourselves out, but really the industry as a whole. The industry as a whole is using safety metrics as a measure of whether or not we should win work, especially in the yeah. construction sector. And to Steve's point, you protect how well you perform safety and hope that you're doing it better than your competitor so that you could win a job. And unfortunately, that means that we're putting the welfare of our employees second to a competitive advantage to a tender. And that, in my world, is unacceptable and I know Steve feels the same so we decided that no longer can workers well-being be second to the competitive advantage of business. Yeah and I'm looking forward to delving further into that. Um, I'm wondering 
you know, where the light bulb kind of went off for the two of you to, to get together and, and start this relationship, is this something that you've seen before or was there a specific instance that made you come together? Um, I mean, I've seen it a little bit before, but in organized groups like a WSIB safety group, if you will, where you do, you can sort of in a steering committee share some practices, but they're really on, along like a formatted guideline of how you build a program. Um, and then I would say a little over a year ago, would it be, Aaron, yeah. I would think? Um, we have quite a few projects who are working together. Our teams interact quite a bit, especially, especially on the safety side. And um, sort of started the communication that way and, and then moved up. And I think one of the big spearheaders or what we'll talk about a little bit today is a common issue we're having with a certain piece of equipment. Yeah. And that sort of really got the ball rolling for us. So. For me, historically, I had been a consultant in my past career, and I had the luxury of seeing and, and hearing what was going on with other companies. I didn't have to share the private issues, but I was able to aggregate that knowledge and create a, a shared program. And once I got out of consulting and I'm in a single employer's uh, operation, I recognized the limits and the blindness of that. I've tried in the past to, to bring other companies on board and when we had a shared problem and plan had the shared problem and we both recognized that problem at a similar point in time, it's the first company that said, yeah, let's talk together, forget about you know the privacy and, and the, the statistics and stuff for a minute, let's, let's make sure this works and it's fair. As far as you both know, like, is, is there other companies with similar relationships or is this unique? I'm not aware of a relationship quite like this. Uh, I'm sure there are others in, in other sectors. Um, we have different relationships with our subs, for example, or our peers. I haven't seen uh, a relationship where, you know, in some venues, Plan and Modern actually are straight on competitors. And yeah. in, other, in other jobs, we end up being side-by-side -side allies, working side-by-side -side together. So typically, you'd see a great hesitance to this level of, of collaboration because we could compete against a job in the next bid and frankly I don't care about that. I care about the fact that the guy that works for Plan today might come and work for Modern tomorrow and vice versa or the fact that you know maybe the person that works at Modern maybe his wife works at Plan and maybe his kids work at Plan and we've got to look after each other because the idea of looking after just a crew isn't working anymore especially when there's Plan employees working around our crew and our crew is working around plan that that overlap if we don't intentionally turn and look at it together is a risk yeah for sure i mean it's it the culture is really shifting as well and there's a lot more focus on that now i believe when it comes to safety um, we call an initiative like it's called we care and this would really encompass that so you're really looking out not only for yourself and the environment you're in, but you're looking out for the people beside you, working beside you every day, not just a plan group person or a modern person, but everyone around you. And it's really about going that extra mile and really showing that you care about someone and their safety. So. All right, I, I do want to delve into uh, the partnership between Plan and Modern Niagara. Um, especially in terms of in, in injury prevention and the, the combined ability to affect change. Uh, maybe, Aaron, we can begin with you. Um, can you just discuss uh, the relationship with PLAN and what you've seen happen, uh, you know, because of it? Mm -hmm. 
It, it started off um, very cautious and careful as most would expect, but because of this shared problem we had with a single piece of equipment, we decided to drop the barriers a lot more quickly. Plan um, came to our facility, brought their data. Uh, you know, I put my data up on the screen and said, not only is this piece of equipment a problem, but the types of injuries that we're seeing in and around it a problem. And that actually became a synergy and a lot of energy came out of that meeting. And since then, we do meet quite regularly in each other's facilities yeah. to discuss safety issues, safety innovations, and safety strategy. Just like Aaron said, we've been meeting quite more frequently. Yesterday, we actually had held another meeting, uh, this time at Plan Group. And we're even bringing in, you know, suppliers or manufacturers of different pieces of equipment who are actually even looking to our advice on how to improve what they're going to be putting out in the future. So uh, not only on this one piece of equipment, but it's sort of rolling out now into other aspects of even personal protective equipment, let's say. Okay. How are you guys able to initially uh, identify that issue? Um, was it just something that came up in the data and was like impossible to ignore or is it, is it one of a few issues? I'm just wondering, or were there many injuries around that specific issue? How did that one, you know, become one of the first focal points? It was a big job and we were both on it. We both had well over 100 employees on that job. And I recognized very quickly from my field staff, they raised the flag that they were seeing an increase in this type of hand cut from a bandsaw. Mm -hmm. And uh, I called some of the plan folks over in their safety department and, and I actually called two other companies and said, are you guys seeing this? And, and Plan was the only one that not only said not yes and didn't say not your business. Um, the other two said not your business and I went, well that's unfortunate and we'll just keep going. But Plan raised their hand and said, yeah, we are too. And here's why we think it's going on and, and I had a different perspective. But frankly, both of them were right and we both had half the story. Mm -hmm. So only in getting together did we get the full story? Yeah, that's definitely it. Um, <laughs> again, uh, when you're talking about safety, a lot of it becomes, and I've said it before, it's like your hazard of situations and hazardous behaviors. And both of those would uh, contribute to a lot of the accidents or injuries we were seeing with the bandsaw. And one of the areas when we were getting together is, well, how do we try to take out the human factor of that? And so really give people not an option to use a tool inappropriately or to set it up um, improperly. And and we've been able to make a bit of headway with that so far, hoping mm -hmm. to do a bit more, but uh, but so far there's been some good progress. So. Um, it's clear from what you've shared, I believe, that OHS silos within your organizations are things of the past. Um, why might it be important for other companies to follow suit? And I'm also curious what potential roadblocks they may face along the way so another meeting I had recently was actually with another peer group that we are working with. So, you know, somebody would hire a plan in us. And the proposal is, let's plan out the safety of the job before the job even starts. Let's sit down with our operations team and our schedules. Let's sit down with not just the general contractor, but all three or four prime contractors under them. Let's all look at our schedule and our plan and our chart. And let's look at all the safety pinch points. And now even the general contractors are getting a lot of interest in this. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of big jobs in this province coming up that if you don't do this, I think you're, you're remiss because there's a, a great opportunity to protect people better than if we just go through and 
as problems show up, we train the worker to make it better. That's that's not the way to do it. It's 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 in situ, it's ad hoc, and mm -hmm. it's not well planned. And if we go and say, okay, this job is coming out, let's look at all of the problems that are going to happen, and not just from a mechanical point of view, but an electrical and a and a forming and all of the other things that come up. Though that's where the overlaps that cause major injuries and fatalities happen. It usually isn't a modern Niagara worker that causes the death of another modern Niagara worker. And thankfully, we've never had that. What is the case is it's another worker who's done something, maybe left something the way they know it should be left, mm -hmm. but our worker doesn't understand it and goes into that space. So that's where fatalities happen. And if we take a mindful approach to saying, let's lay out a job the way a project manager would lay out a job, you know, labor and forecast and the budgeting, and let's apply safety to that. Uh, I think we're going to be a lot more successful in the protection of the worker, and maybe even the efficiencies of the job. Even internally, one of the biggest issues when something goes wrong is there's usually a lack of planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we were able to sort of get ahead of the game and before it starts and actually try to plan and foresee, you know, what really could happen here in this situation based on the work we're doing or the people we're working with or the type of project it is. Uh, so we really try to focus on that. Another thing we're trying to look at is, again, another collaborative approach. Like Aaron's saying, uh, a lot of times we're a subcontractor on a larger site under um, a general contractor. And I notice sometimes, uh, especially in safety and in the construction industry, when you bring up an issue to another company, it, there's usually a deflection in a, well, you're not doing this right, or, but you're really bringing up a legitimate concern. Uh, and there's lots of safety committees on projects, but we're trying a new initiative as well. We're approaching general contractors and saying, how about we get all of our safety coordinators together once we've done all the pre-planning and once the project is active and actually work together as a group. And if there is an issue, let's work on the issue together instead of saying, well, you did this, but I didn't do this. And instead of blaming, let's just work together to improve the overall safety of the project. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fatalities that happen in, in this province and frankly in the country are because workers are rushed Mm -hmm. and aren't given the visibility to control the risks and the hazards. Yes. Planning reduces that feeling of rush and reduces that schedule crunch, the what they call trade stacking, guys working in and around one another so tight that they don't know what's going on. That is what we're trying to prevent because if we can um, reduce that crunch, the guys have an opportunity to sit down and think about what they're doing. The ladies that are doing things, they have the, the, the chance to say, hey, something's not right here, without being um, worried about putting pressure on the schedule. Sure. Mm -hmm. So those are huge issues. Yeah, and it empowers a lot of people to speak up and mm -hmm. say, you know. There's time to do it. Yeah. I want to go back to data sharing for a, a minute. And um, obviously, you guys have been p fairly public with your relationship. Um, what sort of reaction have you uh, garnered from from this relationship? Um, has it been all positive or has there been some questions about it in terms of the actual sharing? Um, is it a mixed reaction? I'm just, maybe Steve, I'll start with you. It's been positive for us. Uh, every once in a while I will get a question, you know, oh, we were at Modern today. Well, why are we at Modern today? Well, this is the reason why we're working together to improve something. Is that an internal question? Yeah, okay. an internal mm -hmm. question. Uh, it's just, again, because you're breaking down those barriers, those typical barriers that are usually there. Um, but again, we're using safety um, as a collaborative approach and not this strategic uh, advantage. And 
when you explain that, then it's all positive from there on out. But um, externally, we haven't had any negatives about it. No, it's been great. Um, same thing happens internally with us. What do you mean you're over at plan? Like, are you, yeah. don't share anything. And that's a very old school thought. And when you talk about, well, this is what happened when we shared. Hey, well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, people relax. And, um, you know, two big companies that could be seen as competitors, you know, you get some of that older school thought. And, and that's going away very quickly because they're really quickly seeing the advantage of that collaborative approach. It's like an olive branch to other situations too. If, if we've created a good safety relationship and a good general respect and trust for one another as companies, when something goes bad, we know we can pick up the phone and say, hey, something's gone bad. Let's sit down and work on this instead of having that acrimony and people going, well, that's your fault. You just deal with it. No, we're going to deal with it together and we mm -hmm. can trust that we can have the tough conversations because the olive branch approach of safety has created that level of trust and dignity beforehand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last person I was with right before I came was, uh, I mean, I report directly to our CEO and he's very excited uh, about what's going on in the relationship that we're building. Mm -hmm. If you were to offer advice to another company or OHS professional on how to s set out on a, on a successful journey such as uh, the two of you have, uh, what sort of advice would you give? Be open-minded, uh, not closed off, um, willing to learn, uh, willing to work with others, recognizing uh, that other people's opinions might not be the exact same as yours, but if you have the common goal for the end, uh, then it usually works works well together I think so. Absolutely um, when we had the opportunity to start sharing with our teams uh, the idea that we were collaborating with PLAN uh, some of them were nervous about well what are you sharing and when you when you're very transparent with your coworkers and they see the results they get excited about it and they mm -hmm. look for other ways to maybe collaborate and share ideas so maybe maybe now this becomes a sustainability and safety conversation right we can start talking about how we can synergistically improve the environment together those are not threatening things but you have to start small you have to build trust and the minute you ruin that trust with anything mm -hmm. you're taking huge steps backwards we've never done anything to shake each other's trust or respect, disrespect one another, and, and you can't have a relationship of any kind without those two things, whether it's a safety conversation or a labor relations conversation or just a general construction scheduling conversation. So if, if companies want to do that, one, start peer-to-peer, -peer. so companies about the same size, so they don't feel overwhelmed or underwhelmed by each other's contribution. And as they start finding synergies or things that they can work on together, and in our case it was a tool, well, then we got to bring in the tool manufacturer because we can't do it without their trust, support, dignity, um, action. And, and once you find that, that collaborative thing to do, you got to bring in the people around that issue too. So the next time maybe we'll have a problem with a GC, well, we got to actually approach the GC and offer to invite them into our circle to work on it. Yeah. We can't just throw stuff at them. And then we'll find the next ch challenge to, to try and improve. Yeah. There will always be challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Um, coming up on our final question, um, and I'll, I'll start with Aaron. Um, you, you previously mentioned that you kind of see this as a new era in health and safety of mm -hmm. uh, multi-stakeholder engagement. I'm wondering how you foresee that actually um, coming into play with, with you know, in a greater amount of companies. Is, is there a mindset shift that needs to occur? Where, like, what's the next step uh, in terms of this new era that you've discussed? 
So I envision a place where people start building small and, and as groups get together and, and other groups get together beside that group, those groups start to merge. It's a very much uh, a step-by-step -step process. We're seeing it with, you know, the WSIBs rolling out new programs, mm -hmm. the Safe Work Associations are rolling out new programs. They too are recognizing that collaboration is key to success. So there's opportunity if you want to join those programs to work with peer groups. But just start. Start getting outside of your own company's thought process. Start looking around to see who is capable and who's having the same challenges and, and offer to work together with them. Um, is there, the more structure you add to this actually I think might hamper it in a weird way. Like I don't think that if we had a third party mediator working with us, this right. wouldn't have got near as far. You have to, it has to be organic. Yeah. And uh, sometimes structure slows down. Yeah. For sure, it's been very fluid, mm -hmm. um, and again, it's we've just been taking day by day as it comes. But um, each time that we actually communicate with each other, we're we're learning more about the things we're facing and the difficulties we're facing, what areas are working. Uh, I think the more like the story like this gets out, even with this podcast, the more people hear about that you can have a success working with a competitor. Uh, that uh, that will help hopefully change the landscape as well. Great. Well, thank you both for sharing uh, some of your insight on, on your relationship and, and what's actually been occurring uh, because of it. Um, I wish you both a safe 2020. Thank, thank you. you. You too. Thank you for tuning into Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada. To hear more of our episodes or to find the latest workplace safety headlines from across the country, visit ohscanada.com. Mm -hmm.